This morning we'll be reading from Mark chapter 10, starting with verse 17. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Go sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Then Peter spoke up, We have left everything to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, No one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we're back today uh, to our series entitled Encounters with Jesus. Did you ever notice that when Jesus encounters someone, or perhaps better put, when someone encounters Jesus, he always seems to surprise them? Routinely, it's true in the life of Jesus. When people come to him and they ask a question or they inquire about something, he just kind of turns the question and he does something different with it. And that's what this young man encountered, no doubt. The first part of the turning of the question He said to him, good teacher, and Jesus said, good, why are you calling me good? There's only one person that's good, it's God. You could go all kinds of directions with that comment, but it threw him off. This young man, by the way, it seems to me, if I'm reading this text correctly, he was remarkably respectful, and he was sincere. You don't see in this young man a guy who just has got an idea and he thinks he'll go ask a question. He seems like he's really sincere. As a matter of fact, he he asked the most important question. He said, I only want to know one thing. 
Because it's the most important thing. I want to know how I gain eternal life. And Jesus said to him, well, what about the commandments, son? Now, did you notice he didn't list all the commandments? Of course he didn't. He didn't list all the commandments because it wasn't necessary. He basically was saying to the young man, he says, son, did you follow the commandments? And and the guy says, yeah, I've been doing that since I was a kid. I've been following all of them. By the way, if this guy was really following the commandments, which I take at face value he was, you know what he was doing? He was tithing and giving charitably. That's part of the commandments. We have no reason to believe that this was a stingy young man. He actually was giving what he had back to God. I'm resisting the impulse to preach a sermon on tithing and giving. Especially if you pay any attention to the bulletin, you realize we're $45,000 behind. We're always running behind around here. And you know what? If everybody was like that young man, we'd never be behind. But it wasn't enough. He said, you're doing all that. You lack one thing. But did you notice he didn't say what the one thing was? Really, he didn't. Oh, you say, of course he did. You're not reading the text. He said, no, just wait a minute. He didn't name it. He just said, here, you lack one thing, and here's what I want you to do. I want you to sell everything you have and give it to the poor, and then turn and follow me. By the way, um, this passage is in every gospel And I chose the passage from Mark's gospel for a reason. Because only in Mark's gospel does Mark say this. Jesus looked at the young man. And he loved him. What did he see in him? Sincerity? Potential? Or maybe it's just Jesus. He loved him. And he said to the young man, only one thing, sell everything you have and give it to the poor and then come and follow me. And the text, I I love the way the text puts it. It says that his face fell. It's like a cloud just came over his face. Oh no. I wasn't expecting that. I, I can't do that. And he turned and he walked away. The price is too high. I got to have what I have. There's no way I can give it all up. I've got to walk away. Wow, what a sad moment. He encountered Jesus. Jesus gave him the word. And he said, I can't do it. What couldn't he do? Well, you say he couldn't give up his money. No, let's let's get behind it, shall we? I think Jesus would like it if we try to get behind it. Because, you see, Jesus doesn't categorically condemn wealth. Nor, by the way, does Jesus tell everybody to sell every, everything you have and give it to the poor. 
There's been a lot of people who have taken that as part of the tradition of the Christian faith. And, and they take a vow to poverty. And I think that's wonderful for some people. And I think probably God calls some people to that. But Jesus didn't say this to everyone. He said it to this young man. Why? Well, I really don't know except that money had a grip on him. But what was it about money that gripped him? What was it about money that potentially grips us? Or put it another way, what's behind money? Uh, Frequently, the problem behind money is greed, right? I just said I don't think that was probably the young man's issue. But frequently, those who are very wealthy struggle with greed. There's something else behind money. It's security. If you've got enough of it, you're okay. As a matter of fact, it seems like that's where all of us are just like the rich young man. We say, well, I'm not wealthy. Just think about security. Forget the wealth part of it. You're incredibly secure. You live in a land of prosperity and security. So you may not be rich. If you fall ill, what are you going to do? You're going to go just down the road to the hospital for healing. And if you don't have insurance, there's ways around that. You're secure. See, in the first century, only people who were extraordinarily wealthy were secure in that way and in many other ways. To fall ill primarily was to die. And in that first century, the wealthy are the ones who had access to everything, including security. Well, it's not just security that perhaps is behind money. Maybe the thing that held the grip on the heart of that young man. Maybe it was just power. There's power with money. You can do almost anything you want. You can buy almost anything you want. Everything but love, they say. If you're rich and powerful, you can have power and you can have influence. Just because you're powerful and wealthy, you can do things you're not even well suited to do. Because you're rich and people will let you do it. I'm not going any further with that. The point is, wealth creates all kinds of issues. It's not the dollar bill, it's the issues that it creates in your heart. Um, just a quick test. You want to know how much you love money? Do you want to know how much wealth has a grip on your soul? Take this quick, quick self-examination. What are you willing to do to protect it? That might tell you something about your love of money. All I know is that the young man was wealthy and Jesus said, here's what you've got to do. You've got to give it all up. And follow me. And the young man said, I can't. Wealth or whatever is behind wealth had a grip on his heart. 
Have you ever experimented before where you have a grip? This is weird. This is money. A grip on something and you hold it very tightly in your fist for a long time without releasing it. And before long, you can't release it. Your fingers lock around it. question is, who's in control? You or the thing in your hand? question is for the young man, what's controlling your life? The young man walked away. The question for us is, what is controlling your life? What grips you so that you can't release yourself to God? I'm going to speculate that one of the things that grips us, let me call it a stumbling block, that keeps you from faith, in this congregation especially, is the intellect. For the most part, we're a heady bunch of people. And we want all the answers. And we're waiting for all the answers. So we can take the next step of faith. My friends, really. If you had all your questions answered, would the next step be faith? I doubt it. So our intellect can become a stumbling block. What else might be a stumbling block for you? Maybe your career. I always worry about sermons like this because I worry that I'll say something like this and somebody will do something ridiculously stupid like go out and quit the job that they should have for their family's sake and they were well equipped to do and all that kind of... I I worry about that because people get extreme. So i got to quit worrying. Stop it. Just say it. Here it is. It's possible that your career has a grip on you. The pursuit of whatever it is. It's eclipsing Jesus and his call. Is it possible that money's got a grip on you? Whether greed or any number of other issues behind money, is is that the thing that grips your heart? I'm not sure what it is. Here's what I know for sure. When I read this passage and I read other passages in the Bible, I know this. Jesus is looking at you with compassion. Right now where you sit, with every issue in your life and the things that are an impediment to following him, he looks at you and he loves you. Here's the second thing I know. Post-resurrection, Jesus is always present. This man walked away from Jesus. I'd love to know if he ever came back, but we don't know that. As a matter of fact, most encounters with Jesus and stories with Jesus just end, and we don't know the rest of the story. 
And we're led to fill in the gaps. But I do know this. Jesus was only here and there at this time and at that time. He wasn't everywhere. But this incarnate Son of God, because of the resurrection and the power of the Holy Spirit, is present right now with you. And He continues to encounter you in every detail of your life. And you've got an opportunity right now to encounter Jesus and to answer the question that Jesus asks of you. Can you follow me? You also have multiple opportunities to hear that question. If you've been at this church, you've heard the question over and over again. If you've read the Bible... You've heard the question over and over again. But there comes a day like the young man, you've got to answer it. So my question is, have you answered Jesus' question? Can you give it up? Whatever it is. And follow me. You know, I say frequently... Um, not as frequently as some people would like, that these services are always about an opportunity to follow Jesus. And that at the end of any service, if you feel God gripping your heart and saying, it's time for you to let that go and follow me, this is the time to do it. It's the place to do it with people who can help you do it. And I'd love nothing more than to help you do that. Maybe it's the first time ever. Maybe you're saying for the first time today, Lord, I hear you. I need to follow you. I'm ready to surrender. Please talk to one of us and tell us about it so we can pray with you. Maybe, maybe you're a Christian and you've walked with God for a long time and you know as well as you know you're sitting in that chair, that you're encountering a roadblock in your faith. It's too huge for you to walk around. It's too huge for you to jump over. There's no way to dig under it. You've got to let it go. And there's only one person who can remove it. It's Jesus. Do you know what it is? Are you ready to give it up? See, at the very beginning, this young man said, Good teacher, what must I do to have eternal life? He went right to the heart of the issue, the very thing for which Jesus came to do, to give eternal life. There's an assumption bedded, it seems, in Jesus' response to him and his question to Jesus. When Jesus says, Why do you say good to me? There's only one person who's good. It's the Father in heaven. Why do you, young man... Why do you just focus on being good? What makes you think, young man, that good works can give you eternal life? It's not about getting it right. It's not about being perfect. It's not about doing the right thing all the time. It's an issue of the heart. It's not about good works. It's about surrender. 
It's always about surrender. Some of you may be on the, on the corner of a decision, a crossroads, and today's your day. Make it your day. It was for somebody in the first service. It was, it was a delight when he walked up and said, I heard it. I'm ready to surrender. Maybe that's you. It's your day. Let's pray. God, I thank you for how you encounter us over and over again. It's likely, Lord, that there's not one person in this congregation who hasn't encountered you at some level. And so many of these stories that we look at, people encounter Jesus for the first time. We have multiple opportunities, and today is one of them. Where more than one person, no doubt, has an opportunity to surrender. To completely surrender their life to you. They've come and and they've been trying with all their might to be good. And they know they're failing. And they know that progress just seems impossible. And Jesus... You say to them, it's not about your good works. It's about surrender. So Lord, even if they've been trying to follow you, help them to understand what it means to surrender. Lord, there's some of us here today that have been doing this thing called following Jesus for a very long time. And if we had the opportunity to talk to everyone here, we would, we would tell the story about how this surrender thing, it happens a lot. Yes, we made the ultimate decision to follow you, but then time after time you say to us, Bob, Fred, Jerry, Sue, you love me, but there's a roadblock. It looms large. It's got its grip on you. It's time to give it up. You need to continue to follow me. So, Lord, we pray for um, those people who find themselves in that position. That they'll take the opportunity today to surrender and to follow you. What we're absolutely confident of, Lord, is that when we do that, We receive life. The kind of life we can never create for ourselves. The kind of life we couldn't dream of. Because it's your life in us. The hope of glory. And for that we give you thanks. Amen.